0: Welcome to the Sounds Familiar podcast. I'm your host, Alex Lavely. Here, we're bridging the gap to find a connection in a society that can sometimes feel isolating. We've all experienced our share of successes and the challenges that we faced along the way. And we're here to talk about all of them, along with sharing some tidbits on mental health. So grab your favorite drink, pop a squat, and you might just hear something that sounds familiar. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sounds Familiar. I'm your host, Alex Lavely. And again, this is a solo podcast, so we will be talking about more things on mental health, some of the things that I've been learning on my journey to become a marriage and family therapist. And last solo episode, I kind of added this new thing in where I wanted to encourage us to just think about something good that happened within the week because we know life can get pretty crazy and let's just ground ourselves, let's bring our attention to what is good in our lives and just work on being more intentional about finding the good as we walk through life. For me, this last week, I got to spend some time with some of my girlfriends who I, again, haven't really seen because I've just been pretty busy with school and work. Um, and then two of them have little babies. And so I just got to hang out with them and play with some little babes and cuddle them. And it was just, it was so, it was so great. Um, So I hope that you find something that has helped you this week that um, brings you joy and that we can just focus a little bit more on that rather than the things that maybe didn't go so great. So on my last solo podcast, I talked about anxiety and what that might look like or feel like if someone is struggling with it. When I was doing some research, I kept running across questions related to helping someone who is struggling with their mental health. So not not just anxiety, but you know, some other things, maybe depression, maybe more serious things than that, and I know that it can be difficult to know how best to support someone that you care about who is struggling with their mental health. What you should say, how do we say it? How do we tell people that we know that they are cared about and that they're not alone? How do we do that? Many people ask, how do I get my loved one to go to therapy? <laughs> and I first just want to address that we cannot make other people go to therapy. But there might be some ways that are helpful to address these situations. Usually, those of us who are interested in this topic. We struggle the most with this reality that we can't make somebody go to therapy because we see the value in therapy. Obviously, I'm creating this podcast. I'm going to school to be a marriage and family therapist. You're listening probably to this podcast because you're curious or you are valuing um, mental health. So obviously, we see the value. Um, Maybe you're doing your own work you want others to experience the freedom and the benefit of going to therapy, the changes in their lives for the better um, because that's what happened with you, that's what kind of journey you're on and when we see that somebody is not willing to um, go to therapy or is a little bit hesitant, it can be frustrating, it can be upsetting, it can be difficult to handle because obviously these people are people that we care about and we just want to see them be better mentally, physically, all of the above, that is very common to have these sorts of feelings. Or maybe you've reached a breaking point where you just don't know what to do to help somebody. So how do you suggest therapy to somebody who is unwilling to try it? I've been on both sides of this situation. I have been the one really struggling and also refusing to get help from an outside person, an outside source, and I've been the one to suggest therapy to someone who really had no interest in it. And I'll say that it doesn't really matter how many times that you suggest therapy to somebody. If they are unwilling to do the work or to seek help in this way, there's nothing that you can do about that. Um, let's think, even if they did decide to go to therapy and took your advice or took your suggestion to seek an outside source just to appease you, just to get you to shut up about therapy, okay, I get it, I'm gonna go to therapy, even if they did that because of you prodding them in this direction, if they don't have the desire to get help, if they don't have the desire to go and do the work it's really not going to be of any benefit. Now, with all of that being said, there is something that you can say. Like, I need you to get help for our relationship. I'll go with you to therapy. I'll, I'll help you find a therapist. I'll help you find somebody that you can talk to if that will make you more comfortable. I'm worried about you. These are all things, and, and it depends on the relationship, right? Like, obviously, if your boss is struggling with mental health, you're going to have less control and less ability to say something in that situation than if it's a parent or a sibling, um, a spouse even. Those are all going to look very different. We can set boundaries like, hey mom, hey dad, I can't come home when you are escalated in this way. I can't allow my kids to be alone with you when you're doing X, Y, Z, but when it's happening to somebody that we live with, like a roommate or a partner or spouse, that might look like saying, hey, I can't keep doing this unless we figure out a different way to function. So these boundaries and the communication The words that we use going into this conversation are going to be different um, depending on who it is and who we're talking to. Another thing to think about is that people have blind spots. Every single one of us. All of us have some area in our life that we are not completely aware of, whether that's our tone, how we come across to people. And when I think back to a time when I was really struggling mentally and emotionally, I didn't really see a huge problem. I was, I, in my mind, was quote unquote fine. Now that I look back, I can really see that I wasn't fine and that there there were things that were concerning and that needed to be addressed. But I mention this because sometimes those we care for are not fully aware of what is happening to them or how it affects the relationship. There are a lot of times that you can't see what you're walking through and it might be that this person who is struggling isn't necessarily resisting help or resisting your suggestion to seek therapy or or seek outside help, but it's that it's difficult. It's really difficult for people to bring awareness to something that requires them to change something else. And I mentioned in in the episode on anxiety, that logic doesn't necessarily work in moments of anxiety because the way that our brains work. And if you missed that episode, I'd encourage you to go back and listen. But that reminds me that no matter what the person is struggling with, those of us who want to help are often coming to them from a different perspective, from a different way of thinking, a different mindset. In doing this, we almost expect that they're just automatically going to see from our perspective and understand why we're concerned about them, what we're seeing, you know, all of those things. But when someone is in the thick of depression or is very anxious or struggling in another way, it it's so much harder to see things clearly. A lot of time there's a disconnect and a thinking, no one is going to understand this. Seeking therapy means that there's something wrong with me and people are going to know and they're going to find out. What is the point of getting help? This is how I've always been and this is how I'm probably always going to be. So especially if you are not one who struggled at at all with mental health, it's difficult to understand the mental state that a person might be in. I also want to be aware as someone who is obviously a big supporter of therapy, a big just proponent of every single person getting into therapy because then the world would be a better place, um, that sometimes people like us or people like myself, we sometimes might be too quick to jump to, hey, you should go talk to somebody. And we miss out on all the possible options that might really help their mental health, that they might be more willing to do. Maybe there are smaller steps to suggest to aid them in the right direction to achieving mental health, to taking care of themselves, because for some people... Therapy might just be a really big jump and be a scary jump. And getting someone to consider therapy might take a good long while. We obviously care deeply about those who are closest to us and want to help them find a quick solution to get them back to, you know, being healthy, to get them in a better state of mind, but that can also be Unhelpful. I mean, people think a long time is like a few weeks, and I'm also guilty of that. But I have to remember that it took me five or six years to seriously consider therapy as a real option and a real effort on my part. So I hate to say it, but Patience in relationships, they take time, both things. And again, depending on the relationship, you are also allowed to say that doesn't work for you. To say, hey, I can't wait five or six years to find other ways to function is completely okay. It's justified, but just be aware that you and this person are likely not coming from the same mental state and you can't expect for them to understand where you're coming from because you you both don't have the same experiences and you're both not coming not only from the same mental headspace, but also just from the same life experience. If you had a great experience with therapy, you can talk about that all you want. You can talk about the benefits that you've gained, about the life change that you've experienced, but also try to understand that this person may not be open to that experience. That's okay too. Maybe this would be a good time to brainstorm other ideas that would help aid in them taking care of themselves. So I think people are more likely to do things like in a community. So offering support in a way that gets them with other people or feeling like they actually have that support around them can be really helpful. Saying things like, hey, let's go for a walk together. Hey, I know that you enjoy tennis. I see that you haven't been spending a lot of time. Maybe you haven't had time. Why don't we find some time to go together and, and you know, hit some tennis balls, play a couple matches, etc.? Or if you are able to talk about therapy, offering to find somebody, offering to go with them to therapy can also help. Just taking away that fear of, Them having to do it themselves can sometimes open up doors for them to consider in a more serious headspace looking for a therapist or going to therapy. Maybe saying something like, I care for you and I see that you're struggling. I don't think that you'll take this suggestion, but I want to put it out there. I think. That it would really benefit you if you could talk to somebody who is a professional in this area. And I think that because you deserve to be healthy, not because you're in trouble. And I might say it every day. I know that you don't want to hear this, but I really hope that you do this. I really hope that you will think about it, that you will consider it, and that you will do it. Because you do deserve to be healthy. And let me just be clear that what makes this not feel like an attack is the softness and the compassion that you use when you are saying these things. It's the compassion of the delivery. This is not something that you say in a situation that's heated, where someone is triggered, where someone is emotional, or is having a hard time like, oh, here we go again. You need to get help because this is crazy to be acting this way. You know, this is just not to be done out of rage or to punish and say, you need effing therapy, right? Like you need to get some help. You got to get this together. And I say Not to use it in this way because I've done that in the past and it hasn't worked. It hasn't been good for the situation, okay? So let my lesson be a lesson for all of us here that compassion and empathy and gentleness go a long way in trying to help someone. Because if not, then anytime that you genuinely are suggesting therapy as opposed to using it as a weapon... This person is just always going to see this as a threat. So you don't want to ever bring that to the table. You just always want to come with compassion, with gentleness, and not to shame or punish them. Hey, it's me, Alex, just popping in to give you a break from our current episode to remind you that your story matters. If you have something that you think you'd like to share on the podcast, feel free to check the show notes for a link and don't be afraid to reach out. Also, if you're enjoying the show and want to stay up to date on all things familiar, follow me on Instagram at soundsfamiliar.pod. That's soundsfamilia r.pod. right, now back to the show. Then there might be times when someone is relying on unhealthy things to cope with their mental health. That could be drinking in excess, that could be using recreational drugs, or anything problematic that they are using to cope with the th- the ways that they are feeling. How can we address are concerns with their behavior, with their choices. It could sound a lot like saying, I'm really concerned about how often you go out. Do you think that, Maybe we can have time, have a night in together and just relax. Or hey, I've noticed that you've been drinking a lot and I might be wrong about this and I'm, I'm happy to be wrong about this if possible, but do you think that there might be something going on with your mental health that is causing you to drink? Can we together take a month off from drinking? It's also helpful to have a conversation about how their choices and their behavior are impacting the relationship that you have with them. Again, not coming to this conversation blaming the person, but if you have a really close relationship, it's going to be very important for you to talk about how certain things are affecting your relationship. So saying things like, I've noticed that when you're out late, I become really concerned about you getting home safely. I often feel like I need to check in to make sure that you're safe. Here are the things that start to come up for me in relation to this part of you. This is a hard topic because someone who is resistant, it's just hard for us. Because we care so much about this person and we genuinely want want to see them get better. We see so much potential um, in them taking care of themselves and we want to see them become a better version of themselves and maybe help them toward that because of the love that we have for them. Because we care so much about them. Another aspect of mental health is suicidal ideation. Within our culture, suicidal ideation has become kind of more nonchalant in a sense. It's sometimes, you know, people reference suicidal ideation as self deprecating humor or just to throw words around casually you know certain tv shows have depictions of suicidal ideation and it's kind of just become something that as a society we are more not comfortable with but we're just it's just becoming like part of our our society and our I don't want to make it sound like it's not a big deal but, you know, I, I just don't want to give any, like, stigma to it. I mean, maybe it just is what it is um, as far as what society portrays and, and thinks about suicidal ideation. Sometimes people reference these things as, you know, like a way of being humorous or saying you know if they mess up about something oh I'm just gonna unalive myself basically I think that the most important thing to do if if you have a loved one who references suicidal ideation is to have a conversation about it it's okay to say to them hey when you said blank this when you said this thing I found myself starting to panic um how would I know if this was a serious? thought of yours. Can we come up with a plan if you get to a place where this is a true thought? And I can commit to not freaking out about a joke if you can commit to Us having a plan and letting me know when this is truly deeper than that. Truly, I'll say this again and again. It is important to have conversations and to be honest about what you're experiencing as a result of this because it does influence your relationships. But also, I just want to encourage to use I language and not you language because that can come across as blaming. That can come across as an attack. It's different to say. I start to panic when I hear you say this rather than you make me feel scared when you say this. Okay, how do we support loved ones who say that they need space but we're worried that they're isolating themselves? First I want to just talk about asking for space. When somebody asks for space, maybe they say, hey, I, I know that we planned to do blank together. We planned to go to the park together on Saturday. We planned having lunch together, but I really just need to get outside and play golf. I just really need to get outside and uh, spend time with my family, do something that I enjoy. I'm sorry I can't make the plan that we had discussed earlier, It's important for us not to take these things personally. Now, if it reaches a point where they're wanting to be alone every single day or it gets to be difficult functioning and completing tasks that they were responsible for, it's okay to discuss that. It's okay to say, I'm happy that you're benefiting from taking the time to go golf, taking the time to spend with your family. I'm happy that you're benefiting from that, but it's gotten difficult for me to continue adjusting my schedule to meet your need. Do you think we can come up with a plan and meet in the middle? If they say no, that's it. I mean, there's not really a discussion to be had. If they continue to do certain things, even after you voice the concerns, that's it. We cannot control people, and this kind of goes back to the beginning, like we can't we can't make people go to therapy, we can't make them seek help, we can't control them. And we can't control their choices. We can be honest and direct in relationships, but we have to also respect people and respect their choices. Now, if we are worried that they're isolating, again, we respect their need for space and also voice our concerns. I want to be respectful and give you the space that you need, but I'm worried you are isolating, how would I know if this was something more serious? Or you can say too, I respect your need for space. If that's working for you, then great. But if not, I want you to know that I'm here for you and I will continue to check in periodically. Some people need space to recenter themselves. I'm not one of those people. Um, when I get into isolation mode, it can easily become this downward spiral. But some people are different than that. Some people really need time to spend alone, to recenter themselves, to gather their thoughts, to spend some time reframing their emotions and things like that. But some people, it becomes a dark place for them if they're alone for too long. You would know your loved one best. You can tell when something is not normal for them. If I have a friend who is extremely extroverted... And they say to me that they need to just not talk to anybody for a week, then I'm going to be worried because that's unlike them. Also, be thinking that if you've experienced this person isolate in the past, did it help them? Uh, Did it get worse? Did it exacerbate these issues, things of that sort? There is so much to consider in terms of past history, how much they take care of themselves, how they've been taking care of their mental health, making sure that they're guarding against these struggles, these different things that can pop up for them, how self-aware they are. If it's a big shift from their personality, like I said, there's just so many things to think about and th- this is why communication is so important. How do we maintain boundaries with someone who is struggling when others undermine our efforts? This is great. Um, sometimes when you're the first person in a family to change something or to address an issue, it can be very difficult and feel very lonely and be isolating. Um, For this example, let's just say that you set a boundary outright with someone who is struggling in a sense that when they came over to your house, you made sure that there was no alcohol to be found because it just exacerbates their condition. Um, Maybe they are a little bit too reliant on alcohol and you've discussed that and you've said, I'm not going to enable this behavior or this action but maybe your brother um, brings alcohol and offers this person a drink you can make a point to address the issue and how you desire to have your loved one maintain mental health um, by not drinking. Well, no one sees a problem and you are said to be making a big deal about something that's really not a big deal according to them. The interesting thing here is that often when you're in a relationship with somebody or you're part of this family unit, there is a cycle or a dance is what we kind of say in therapy speak um, to describe the cycle of 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 how these individuals kind of coexist and relate to one another. This really just means that together you have your ways of interacting. When someone makes a choice or is doing the work to change, like... Those of us who are in therapy or those of us who are setting a healthy boundary, it likely means that interactions within the relationship or within the family unit are affected and also require change to adapt to this new information this new boundary. And because nobody likes change, um, change is difficult, Uh, members either subconsciously or consciously try to maintain homeostasis. They try to make sure that we continue doing the things that we were doing in our dance, in our cycle, in how we have related to each other. And so that's why it can be so isolating and feel so lonely if you You are the person who is recognizing an issue or being the first to set a boundary because people aren't necessarily going to come on board if that means for them that they need to change also. But even so, that is not something that you can control, right? We talked about we can't control other people. But what we can control is how we respond and the boundaries that we set with this person. So let's say that this person that has a a mental health struggle is struggling with addiction, is struggling with relying heavily on alcohol to cope with however they're feeling. And your boundary and your choice is to not enable them because you want to see them get better. But others in the family are continuing to enable them. I also do want to say that it is possible to also set boundaries with those people who are enabling, explaining, hey, this is where I stand and I understand and recognize that, that you do not see it the same way that I do and it's clear that you and I will never come to an agreement on this, but I'm going to continue to set my boundary with you and with this person that is having mental health struggles. So we've talked a lot about some various situations and how to kind of manage those while supporting somebody that we love having struggles with their mental health. So to wrap up this episode a little bit, I wanted to talk about how to support the people that we love while also managing our own mental well-being. This is huge. Again, boundaries and I feel like those are, I'm harping on two points in this episode, communication and boundaries, communication and boundaries. So it's really important to recognize your need for an emotional boundary because you can only support another person's mental health to the extent that you are mentally well. So you have to really be in tune with what's happening for you. You have to be really solid and stable at this point and Also know that it's not your job to fix this person. It's not your job to be this person's therapist. I think, you know, relinquishing yourself from that belief that this is your responsibility. When we love somebody and care about somebody, we want to help them the best that we can. But we also have to recognize that this person also needs to want that for themselves. Your boundaries are really important and really essential when it comes to this. And let's talk for a second about emotional boundaries in this instance. It's going to look like understanding what triggers um, may be present. It's going to require you to regulate yourself and your ability Um, to do that depends on how you've been taking care of yourself mentally. So if you've had a really, really rough week, really hard day, you get home, the kids need something, um, you know, dinner hasn't been made, you had a rough day at work, a project didn't go as well as you thought it was going to go, and you come home and you're stressed, your ability to regulate your own emotions is going to be a lot more challenging in situations like that than on days that you are not stressed. However, you might not always be in a clear headspace. Like, let's let's be Realistic about that. Um, Sometimes people might need your support, but you might not be able to have the emotional space to meet their need or to help them to the extent that you would be able to if you were less stressed and had been taking care of yourself mentally. Boundaries are just, I mean, they're important in every relationship and every interaction that you have with another person. Like, there needs to be a boundary. So, With that being said, actually, next solo podcast, I am going to be talking a little bit more about boundaries. They're so clearly important and I'm so glad that this conversation kind of headed in that direction to prepare for the next episode. You know, boundaries have been kind of alluded to online a whole lot and on social media. It can really be difficult to understand what is a boundary? What does it look like? How do I set one? Um, It can be hard to set one and I want to be able to talk about that. I do hope that this episode helped you, was informative. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health struggles and you just can't seem to find ways to help that are healthy, I encourage you to reach out to your local mental health care provider. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will join me next time for the solo podcast on boundaries. I'm really excited for that episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sounds Familiar. If you've enjoyed the show and found some value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a written review and a glowing rating wherever you're listening. We all know how this internet stuff works, so it'll help more people like you find this show. If you want to stay up to date on all things familiar, follow us on Instagram at soundsfamiliar.pod. Talk to you next time. Have a great week.